3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. America. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate you and put this in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We need a washout. Yep, after a day where the Dow plunged 508 points, the S&P plummeted 2.08%, the NASDAQ nosedived 2.27%. We need to get to the bottom of this decline no matter how we do it, even if it's that way. And we need to figure out what, how, when, and even if we can rebound here. So let's get right to it. Now that pretty much everything's in bear market territory, meaning we're in a bear market, what's the formula for getting out of it? How does this market turn itself around? Is it worth going over? You bet it is. Why? Because I started in this business with the Dow at about a thousand. It does recover. What needs to happen? Let me see. First is the uh, Fed, and um, second is the uh, Fed, and then third, the Fed. We keep talking about how Fed Chief Jay Powell is in a box because he can't be seen to give its, the president ceaseless, given to the president's ceaseless demands that he stop tightening, including this morning's damning tweet, and of course uh, Peter Navarro talking about how wrong it would be to tighten. Giving giving in compromises the Fed's independence. Jay Powell knows that. At the same time, Powell has told us another hike was coming. He told us so many times that if he holds off, it could easily set a panic off because we will presume something's really worrisome, something works out there that we don't know yet, and that's why he held off. So I think he has to raise interest rates on Wednesday at this point, even though we don't need a great hike. Now, for those of you who are sick and tired of hearing me obsess about the Fed, I get it. But listen, if you look at the chart of any industrial stock, anyone, and I spent a lot of time looking at them, this whole group started getting clobbered right when Jerome Powell talked about the need for four more rate hikes in early October, when he put himself in the box. He also said that he may have to go to the point of overshooting if necessary. What is overshoot for? What is that the code for? How about going so far that there's a dramatic economic slowdown? How about maybe we need a recession to break the spell of higher wages well, it didn't help, by the, by the way. The next day, Vice President Pence gave a speech where he laid out the trade war with China as more of a cold war to contain Chinese geopolitical influence, not a short spat over tariffs. One, two, punch. Sell, 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 sell. In other words, I talk about the Fed endlessly here because the Fed is really important. But it, if Powell puts through one more rate hike and then says, you know what? We're done for now. Let's wait and see. Let's be prudent that he needs to look at the data beyond just employment before he tightens again. Then the hawk morphs into a dove. I believe that could put an end to the sell-off. However, if Powell wants to play Santa Claus to his previous Grinch-like comments, <laughs> ugh, well, let me tell you something. If you want to see the market go higher, he's got to do more than that. He needs to clear three hurdles. I'm going to give you A, B, and C. All right, A. He has to say that when he made his previous remarks in October, he, the economy was red hot. But since then, things indeed have cooled off. And perhaps he underestimated how much the rate hikes that he's already put through and the global slowdown would hurt our economy. In other words, he needs to be humble. We need a humble reckoning that takes the concept of overshooting off the table once and for all. You don't do that, Mr. Chairman. You don't say I am might be willing to overshoot. That throws people out of work. Don't do that. B, Powell needs to say that he sees cracks in the stock market and that he's not oblivious to the stock market's forecasting abilities. That he actually sees it. He has to acknowledge that long-term interest rates are being held down by slowing loan demand, along with super low rates in the rest of the world. The Fed is out of step with other central banks around the globe. So foreign money keeps flooding into the U.S. dollar uh, and then, of course, to the U.S. Treasuries. Strong dollars hurting our competitors, hurting our employment. So he can't ponder that. C, the toughest hurdle to jump Palace to tell us that the collapse in oil, hey, listen, we're well below $50 a barrel, for heaven's sake, acts as a terrific counter to full employment. Whatever wage inflation we have is being offset by enormous energy deflation and other forces that are keeping prices down. Try Amazon. Try Walmart. Plus, I think there's nothing wrong with a little wage inflation here. American workers have had a lost decade of wage growth. It's a tall order to get all three of these statements on the table, especially when the Fed's been so busy leaking reporters about how darn strong the economy is. Do some homework. Oh, I already said that. On top of that, let's be clear. It's not Powell's job to prop up the stock market. It's not his mission to slay the bear. People are people going to say that's what you want, Jim? Oh, give me a break. I'm simply laying out the things he could say to turn the averages around and stop a bear market that he himself created. He may not think that's part of his job. Fine. Maybe he didn't think it's part of his job to throw us at a bear market. But if he doesn't take these steps, we'll end up having a real bad quarter and perhaps a real bad year. Now, beyond the Fed, what else has to be, ha- what else has to happen? What else has to give us, what else puts in a bottom? All right, the stock market needs to change its darn coloration. Now, later tonight, we're going to hear from Alex Gorsky, the, C- the-, the CEO of Johnson Johnson, one of the greatest companies on earth, I have to admit. Well, what the heck? Why not say that? Because it's true. And it's now perceived as having conspired to conceal the fact that it's Johnson's baby powder contains asbestos, which is a known carcinogen. Tonight, we will hear Gorsky's side of the story, which is important, because I think this issue is being blown out of proportion. Yes, I do. I'm not saying that J&J is pristine. Like many drug companies, it's had a share of recalls. I'm not saying that the stock shed $50 billion worth of market capitalization since the story broke on Friday, uh, it, it, because it did. But that does seem steep to me. This asbestos thing is a problem. I just don't believe it's a $50 billion problem. But let's find out from the man himself straight after he announced a $5 billion buyback after the close. I mention J and J because when this market turns against a stock, oh boy, does it ever doesn't seem to be able to put in a bottom, even if that's exactly what a stock deserves. This is genuine bear market behavior. JJ is a fulcrum name, as I like to call it. It needs to stop going down before we can get a sustained rebound on the average. It's just a fact. Dow stock, by the way. Same goes for Dow stock Goldman Sachs, which has been pummeled so hard that its stock now trades below its tangible book value. What you get if Goldman its whole business tomorrow and handed over all the money to its shareholders, which I think a lot of people must want at this point. Some of that's because the financials are hated here, but the latest leg down was driven by the Malaysian government filing criminal charges over this 1MDB matter late late last night. I realize this is a big deal. I'm not minimizing it. I worked there, whatever. Goldman took over $500 million in fees to raise $6.5 billion. Uh, The Malaysian government says that $2.7 billion of that money was misappropriated, and Goldman was in on it. Now, there are, the guy's already pled guilty from Goldman. We know that there's problems here. However, I have some doubts about Goldman's culpability at the highest levels. The Malaysian leadership assured them that the proceeds would be used for legitimate investment. They even gave Goldman Sachs written assurances. This scandal brought down the former Malaysian prime minister. I think there's a good case to be made that they were simply dealing in good faith with the country's legitimate elected government. And the Malaysian government that is prosecuting them now knows the country gave written assurances to Goldman about how the proceeds would be used. Yet Goldman stock trades as if the U.S. government, too, is about to charge it with fraud. Criminal fraud, that's not going to happen, people. Something like that could put Goldman Sachs out of business and our government learned its lesson on this kind of thing 16 years ago when it hit storied accounting from Arthur Anderson with an indictment and drove it into bankruptcy. They will not do that again. There will be some kind of negotiated deal. It's going to take a while. What can I say? What else? Fang. Oh, man, it needs to stop going down somehow. This group has led us lower, so can it bottom and then take us higher? Yeah. We got a positive article today about Facebook developing programming. I mean, at least it wasn't about the scandal. It shocked me. It was uh, a uh, man bites dog. Apple, they should just guide down already in the iPhone and get it over with. There's a guy down to do. Stock will probably go higher. Amazon, it trades as though it's going to be wiped out by Walmart, which is crazy. Although I like Walmart's online initiatives. Netflix, just hired the former head of ABC Entertainment for heaven's sake. Positive. Alphabet, okay, nothing good or bad. But maybe that's good. Again, Fang let us down, so we needed to turn around before we can bounce. Finally, there's China. What can I say that everybody hasn't said? We need to see something, anything that indicates the Chinese are willing to make a trade deal, one that the Trump administration is willing to accept. You know what? That's worth about 1,000 points to the Dow, even as a bad deal is no reason. We don't want a bad deal just to jack the market up. That's stupid. Put it all together. I think this whole list, I'm calling this one tall order. Get used to that That guy. Bottom line, this is the most treacherous market since the financial crisis. You need to be nimble, you need to have cash, and you need to take a long-term view when it comes to owning stocks, because long-term, they remain an incredible wealth creator. True. Short-term, though, we're due for bounce. We're that oversold. More on that later. But we're in the hands of the Fed. And if it screws up, then the Grinch will be paired with the bear to steal Christmas. Let's go to W.C. in Pennsylvania, please. W.C. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I've had better days. How are you? <laughs> As well, after this,
4: after this day. Yeah. The, uh, my stock is Tilray, uh, which is a pharmaceutical marijuana yeah. stock, symbol, T, symbol T-L-R-Y. Uh, Jim, after uh, Governor Cuomo announced his plans to create a program to uh, legalize recreational marijuana in the state of New York, The stock dropped over 30%. Do you think legalization for recreational use will negatively impact the medical marijuana
3: market? No, I, I have been saying that the only company that I felt has the balance sheet to be able to fight to win and never give in is Canopy Growth, and that's because they got the money. It's, it goes down. These all are going down. Canopy Growth uh, got the money from Constellation. Tilray down nine, but Tilray is still worth $6 billion. That seems wrong to me. That seems high. Got to tell it like it is. That's why we're speaking to Sandra in Virginia. Sandra. Sorry about the accent. Sandra. Sandra? Hi, Mr. Kramer. This is Sandra. How are you? I am good. I'm watching Oracle go higher. Something's green. How can I help? Hey, listen, I have just a general question today about bankruptcy. Mm. If you have shares in a stock that, and you hear rumors about the company going bankrupt, what do you do? Do you do you hold your shares? And you look at the balance information? sheet. Sandra, look at the balance sheet. If the balance sheet's opaque, if the balance sheet is bad, if they have too much debt, then what you're going to be do, dealing with are short sellers who are going to hound the thing or actual people who are concerned that the balance sheet isn't good enough. That's why I always tell people, please, if you can't read a balance sheet, can't recognize what debt is, you got to be in an index fund. You have to, because debt is so important. It's often the enemy of the stock price. In this real treacherous market, the worst one I've seen since the onset of the financial crisis, here's some advice. need you to be nimble. Have some cash. And remember that stocks are still the greatest wealth creator of all time. So do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of index funds, even if people come on air and say it's just a mania. Tell Buffett, Oh, man, money threat. A new report claims Johnson & Johnson knew that his baby powder was tainted with asbestos and kept it secret uh, for decades, two different uh, news articles. And, you know, what's happened? Well, these articles have rocked the consumer's confidence in the company and the company's share price. With the stock losing $40 billion in its value on Friday and then another 10 today. Know what I'm going to do, I'm going to sit down with the CEO to hear what the company has to say. Then, remember the days of old when you could count on the Santa Claus rally to lift shares higher? I'll tell you why the only thing investors might see this holiday season is a lumpo coal. And how Starbucks' partnership with Nestle, what a great company that is, could help you become your very own barista.
5: So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnBC.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact.
1: It is the worst day in a decade for Johnson & Johnson. This blockbuster Reuters investigation says the company knew for decades that certain powders sometimes tested positive for small traces of asbestos. The
4: Reuters report on Johnson & Johnson shaved about 95 points off the Dow. Johnson &
0: Johnson responding to this, saying that the Reuters article is, quote, one-sided, false and inflammatory.
4: We have one story from Reuters, we have the company responding back. It's tough to actually say what the impact will be.
3: downright ugly day for the averages, we have to take a closer look at a company that's facing a huge amount of negativity right now, Johnson & Johnson. On Friday, J&J's stock sold off after investors reacted negatively to a Reuters investigation that reported some stunning allegations that J&J had known about the presence of asbestos in its baby powder for decades and intentionally hid evidence. Since asbestos tends to cause cancer, that's really the last place you want to find it stock lost 10% of its value Friday. Then it plunged another $3.86, or 2.9% today, maybe because of a New York Times article that came out this Saturday that was negative, too. All told, J&J has lost more than $50 billion in market capitalization since the story spoke. So is this a $50 billion problem, or has this story been blown way out of proportion? We know J&J's been adamant that the talc their baby powder is perfectly safe, but we need to know more, including whether this issue can ever be put behind them. So let's take a closer look with Alex Gorsky, the chairman and CEO of Johnson Johnson, came here today to hear the company side to this story. Mr. Gorsky, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Have you Jim. A seat. Okay, Alex, so I pick up uh, Reuters investigation. It says, special report, J&J knew for decades that asbestos lurked in its baby powder, and I gulped, and I said, boy, I want to know whether this thing's going to last forever.
6: Well, Jim, thank you very much for having us here okay. today. And, and look, given all the allegations and some of the reports in the media, I think it's important, as the CEO of Johnson & Johnson, to be here to not only talk with your viewers, but actually all of our stakeholders.
3: Well, thank you, and I give you the floor, because well, I've just read in the last 72 hours pretty much some things about J&J that
6: I actually don't want to believe. Well, I think it's good that I'm here to be able to clarify that and basically clear the record. Okay. What I'd first say is there's at least a couple of issues that have been alleged. Uh, The first one concerning baby powder and talc and asbestos and is it related to cancer. And the second relates really to the actions of the company. If I take a few minutes on the first. You've got it. Look, I would start by saying that we unequivocally believe that our talc, our baby powder, does not contain asbestos. And that's demonstrated in thousands of studies, studies not only conducted by Johnson & Johnson, but studies conducted by independent authorities, well-respected authorities, where we work closely with regulators who are overlooking the methodology. And by the way, throughout this process, we also not only use the best testing methodologies that were available, but we continue to improve them through the years. So that's really important to keep in mind. Now, the other important aspect is not only what are you doing to try to prevent things from getting into the talc or baby powder and ensure that it's pure, but also what actually happened when it was used by consumers. And here too, what the studies show, and in these studies, Jim, are independent, they're conducted by places like the Harvard Medi- Medical School and other bodies, nearly 100,000 patients involving both men and women over decades. And what these clearly show is that there's no causation between talc, baby powder, and ovarian cancer, or any type of asbestos-related disease. Now. These studies, especially some of the testing that was conducted by Johnson & Johnson employees, I can tell you, not only are these scientists, engineers who studied this and been trained on it, but these are also moms and dads. These are brothers and sisters that it, I, I be, have to believe are looking out for what's in the best interest of patients that they serve each and every day. Now the other portion, of course, is what were the company's actions like? And there's some allegations that maybe were as forthcoming as we should have been. Right. And look, right. what's important to remember here, Jim, is that things these things go back to the 1960s and the 1970s, 1980s. Even the Reuters author herself stated that over the past 15 years that there have been no issues related to asbestos and talc or baby powder that's being used. But even if we go back from the very beginning, when we've had internal and external teams look at all the documents, what we have found is that they were transparent, they were open, they exchanged information with regulators. And if you remember back in the 70s, there was a pretty significant debate about asbestos and talc and baby powder. And the FDA at that time confirmed that not only was the methodology and the testing that we were using the correct one, but they also agreed that our talc, our baby powder, did not contain asbestos. But,
3: Alex, the Reuters uh, investigation says. It didn't tell the agency that at least three tests from three different labs from 1972 to 1975 had found asbestos in its talc, including in one case at levels reported as rather high.
6: Well, Jim, what we found is and what's really important in all these cases as you're reviewing the documents is to look at all the information in totality, especially when you're dealing with matters of science. And while there are documents that will refer to one testing methodology versus another or an outcome, what we found is the outliers are either incomplete or, frankly, they're refutable based upon the methodology or the particular sample that they use. But if you look at the body of evidence of, at, on the whole, it's very clear that this talc was safe, as we, as we stated. And look, the right, other really right. important dynamic to remember in this, remember this was occurring, again, you know, back in the 1970s, right. 1980s. This was during the same time when Johnson & Johnson has been recognized as removing Tylenol from the market when there was any kind of a safety issue. And that's the same company that was managing through this particular period of time. And I can't believe that a company that took that dramatic of an action would allow a product that they felt in any way could be harmful to stay on the market. Well,
3: is there any way that you should have known that there was something wrong, or is it, uh, because what happens is in this, both this and the New York Times, the New York Times says that you know, the,
6: the article, Alex, starts with the concept there were two people in J&J who raised red flags. Well, Jim, what take, what's taken place is, first of all, let's go back to our data. Sure. We believe the talc is safe, mm-hmm. okay, and studies, that's not only what we believe, but it's what studies have demonstrated. But I think in a company like Johnson Johnson and any company, you'd expect there to be dialogue, you'd expect there to be debate And I think, frankly, that's healthy within an organization. But what's really important to focus is to not just select one document, one piece of evidence, but to look at the body of evidence in totality. And when you do that in this case, again, we remain very confident in the safety of our products and, more importantly, in the actions of our
1: people.
3: Okay, one last, and then we're going to take a break. Uh, The Reuters person... Asserts that you decl- your company declined to comment for the ar- further for the article on December eighth. You offered to make an expert available, but you had not done so. As of Thursday evening, uh, for more than two months, you turned down repeated requests for an interview with J execs.
6: Jim, that's simply not true. Not true. We 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 tried to engage in this. In fact, we provided a large amount of information. And our bigger concern is why wasn't a lot of this information that we talked about provided and talked about in a more open, more balanced, and transparent way.
3: All right. Well, let's take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about your $5 billion buyback that you announced after the bell and what that says for where you think you are. That's Alex it's chairman and CEO of Johnson & Johnson. Mr. Gorski will be back in the break.
2: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card.
3: With Alex Gorsky, the chairman and CEO of Johnson Johnson, to get his response to these explosive allegations about the presence of asbestos in the talc or not in the presence of asbestos in the talc that goes in the J&J's baby powder. We've read two critical stories in the last 72 hours, but it's important to learn the full story from the company itself, including how its pharmaceutical business is performing and how the company's doing. I'm going to go right there for a second, Alex, because after the bell, you did something that a company tends not to do if they're really worried about their balance sheet. You announced a $5 billion buyback. Tell me about it.
6: Well, Jim, we did. We announced a $5 billion buyback this afternoon, and and frankly, it's a reflection of our confidence and our conviction with the company going forward. And while we're managing these issues, we could not be more excited about the future. If you look at the fundamental and the underlying strength of our pharmaceutical sector, our medical device sector, and our consumer consumer sector, we think we're well positioned for growth going forward. Okay, now the people watching at
3: home know that I have been recommending Johnson Johnson ever since you became the CEO. I was not, I've, candidly, I was not a, a big fan previously, but you have a AAA balance sheet. Uh, uh, you've announced the buyback, but you did lose a case in St. Louis for, that had 4.6 billion, 22 people, ovarian cancer, terrible disease. How are you confident enough that that AAA balance sheet and the $5 billion are the right thing to do given the loss of that case?
6: Well, Jim, I think if we look and we step back and take a broader look at the more recent cases, really over the last 12, 18, or even 24 months, there's been about 40 in total. And about 35 of those have gone our way, either through decision, an appeal, uh, okay, a dismissal. uh, And and of the five outstanding, those are also under appeal. So, look, we are, we're going, you know, we're confident in going forward. And we think that, frankly, the science stands behind us. And, uh, and, you know, we're determined to make sure that we continue to protect the safety of our products.
3: The, uh... The natural place is what I spend most of the time today, not the, not the other stuff. we has spent a whole weekend on this. What would, uh, how about the minors? Uh, miners uh, who mine talc would be the most exposed, presumably, to asbestos. Ratio of illness from asbestos, miners versus the rest of the population.
6: Right, Jim. What you're referring to is one of the trials I mentioned earlier that right. contributed to the 100,000. And so in addition to patients who had actually been using talc and women and men that had been right. followed, this actually was a cohort of miners and millers that worked in the mines. So they were exposed to a much greater degree of talc than ordinarily would be done. And after several retrospective studies and analyses, including just recently, what those found, again, is that there's no causation between what they're seeing in the talc that they were actually mining and cancer or asbestos-related disease. Now, if J&J had this happen
3: to them this weekend, to you. I have to believe that there were many people who read these articles who have ovarian cancer, and they called the lawyers, and you just got, this was a, they got a lot of planners from this, I bet.
6: What happens? Well, Jim, what I would say is, look, we always have empathy and sympathy for patients that have been diagnosed with cancer. You know, Look, we're in the business of trying to cure cancer. Right. And we, we're working hard on multiple myeloma, lymphoma, and other diseases. And that's one of the reasons to, why I'm recommending
3: you have a to fantastic do cancer franchise.
6: Exactly. And look, patients, when they get that diagnosis, they're looking for reasons. We can understand that. But that's why it's so important to follow the science. In this case, the science simply doesn't support some of these correlations that are being drawn.
3: My friend Jeff Sonnefeld was one, and he's today a Yale professor, and he said, what's interesting here is that if this scientific issue, the company claimed, you, uh, you would have had millions of cases of people coming down with these diseases and not these unproven cases. That's Jeff. I mean, it does raise the issue, how many people have used baby powder, and it doesn't seem like it's been an explosion of cases.
6: Exactly. And that, again, this is why we keep going back to the data for these large controlled trials that really look at some of these underlying issues. And frankly, we think we will prevail based upon that science.
3: Now, at the same time, this is the New York Times, and it is Reuters. Uh, New York Times, these are institutions I trust. Uh, I trust J&J. How about the trust of J&J? And is it tarnished by these last 72 hours?
6: Well, there's nothing more important in our mind than the trust integrity of Johnson & Johnson. And that's why I'm here today talking to you. But what I can tell you is from all of the documents that have been reviewed, internally and externally, what I can tell you is we believe that the employees of Johnson & Johnson act in a professional and an appropriate way throughout this period. Okay, in the New York
3: Times, in one instance, Johnson Johnson demanded that the government block unfavorable findings from being made public. An executive ultimately won assurances from an official at the FDA that the findings would be issued only
6: over my dead body. A memo, memo summarized in the meeting said that concerned me. Well, Jim, in my over 25 years, almost 30 years in this industry, what I can tell you is I have tremendous respect for the FDA. Every day they look out for the health and well-being of all of the people in this country, and I don't see them as you know, someone who's going to roll over easily regarding safety issues. They're truly trying to do what's best, and I'm sure there could be debate and engagement with them. But again, if you look at the records, the FDA consistently approved our testing methodology as well as the fact that our talc, our baby powder, was safe.
3: We saw in Reuters article that there was a a change in the way you worded uh, whether you always knew it was safe or whether you knew it was safe. Uh, That concerned me, too, because it seemed like that maybe you knew something was wrong and you didn't tell us.
6: Jim, let me be clear. Throughout the period being discussed in this article, the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, 90s, we are absolutely certain, based upon the data that we were talking about earlier, that if you go earlier than that, okay, remember, this product has been on the market since the late 1800s. Obviously, the testing methodologies were different at that time. And so that's why we changed the word always based upon you know, making sure that we we're trying to be as accurate as possible. Why'd you come on here? I came on here because I think it's important for your viewers, but frankly all of our stakeholders, to ensure that they know every day the 140,000 employees at Johnson & Johnson around the world are doing their best to ensure the safety and high quality of our products and everything that we do. And we want to make sure that our trust and integrity that we've earned over the last 130 years is maintained for the next 130 years. And you volunteered to come on? I did. Okay, fair
3: enough. That's Alex Gorsky, Chairman and CEO of Johnson Johnson. Made money's back here to the break. Just how treacherous is this market? For decades, I've followed the Standard & Poor's Oscillator, I pay to get it, which tells you when stocks have gotten overbought or oversold. Historically, whenever the S&P oscillator goes below minus 5, it's made sense to cover your short positions and do some buying. This has worked year after year with very few exceptions, and on Friday, we went below minus 5. Today, it hit minus 7.4, which makes us extremely oversold and way overdue for a bounce. Buy, 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 buy! However, when this market gets on a negative selling jag, it blows to all sorts of conventions. Rather than bouncing today, we just kept going lower. Remember the Christmas rally thesis? Out the door because of the Fed. Remember the gridlock bounce after the election? Go on with the win because of things like the government shutdown. Even as a shutdown-related pullback has almost always been a buying opportunity. Remember the thesis that the market usually trades up in the third year of a presidential uh, term when it's a first-term president? Not this administration. All these investigations into the president's business dealings, I think, have really taken their toll. Remember the art of the deal? The president has been trying to get trade deals through with every country except China, where he wants total capitulation. Meanwhile, no deals yet to be approved anywhere. Congress is about to debate the new arrangements with Canada and Mexico. Who knows if they have the votes? Trade is a weird issue that doesn't really map into the uh, left-right spectrum. You've got free traders and protectionists in both parties. So the White House needs Democratic votes here. But why would the Democrats want to give him a win? Remember how the yield curve was supposed to have inflection at this point in the business cycle? In other words, long-term rates are supposed to be above short-term rates, and that's breaking down, something that often signals a recession. The problem? The economy is weaker than we thought, and our nation's monetary policy is out of step with the rest of the world. One more example of the Fed's cluelessness, which is putting downward pressure on long-term rates, even as we keep raising short-term ones. Very bad for profits. All these reversals of fortune have done serious damage to investor confidence. Money's been flooding out of stocks. Sell, 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 It often sell. seems like there's no, nothing safe to buy. Witness the incredible repeated slaughter of stocks like Johnson Johnson, which we covered uh, uh, earlier tonight, and Goldman Sachs, which I mentioned at the top of the show. That's the best pharma and one of the best brokers, for heaven's sake. Holy cow. These issues almost make you wish for a crash, don't they? A crash so we can get the downside darn over with. Unfortunately, in a bear market like this one we've been experiencing, that's not how things play out. Hence, we find the dribble, dribble, dribble bearish rotation. It's almost Chinese water torture. It's exhausted all but the most sanguine of investors, the most brain dead ones who would never sell anything no matter what. Oddly enough, I think that the sellers will ultimately, ultimately prove to be mistaken and not the owners. I disagree with Jeffrey Gundlach, a very fine money manager who came on Scott Wobbler's Halftime Report today and told us that passive investing has reached a mania stage. To me, that's wrong. As much as I fret about the stock market, I am fretting. I'm still making regular contributions to index funds for my retirement account. I've done that ever since I first opened my IRA in 1978. I'm doing it now with my children, even as I personally full disclosure, uh, mixing certificates to depo- deposits with the st- uh, index funds I'm buying. Because, look, I'm getting older, and I need to be more concerned about my principal and new contributions, although my father just kept buying stock, uh, index funds, until he was 91. I don't know. CDs are not so bad. Plus, I already have lots of stock in my S&P funds anyway. Am I one of those brain-dead followers into the charnel house mania? No. The truth is, even though we are in an ugly situation... Stocks have been one of the greatest engines of wealth creation of all time. And we can't afford to lose sight of that, even when it's so treacherous. I don't know when this market will find a bottom. I talked about that at the top of the show. But I think it's worth sitting tight on your index funds. Uh, here Because someday we will bottom. And you don't want to feel like an idiot for dumping all of your stock exposure right into the teeth of this oversold decline. Stick with Craig. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Come join us. i girls Rob One of the same And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate daddy. It's time for the lightning round. I want to start with Charles in Texas. Charles. I want a booyah lightning rod from Kramer for a buy or a watch on Patchy. Patchy? Patchy? No, that's yeah, sure. just a watch. I mean, it's got a little too much NASH gas. They're good guys, but it doesn't have the right. It doesn't have what it takes right now to be in this market, which is yield. OK, that's going to prevent you from getting killed in an oil stock. Let's go to John. and Washington, John.
1: Hi, Jim. I'd like to know if Roku's fundamentals are in place so that they can participate in a recovery when it comes.
3: I think that, yes, they are. I, I do worry uh, greatly about it. Uh, Amazon, no. Can you imagine if Amazon's really a Trojan horse and that Alexa's going to start showing you advertisements? Wow. I think Amazon's powerful here. Let's go to Dennis in Michigan. Dennis. Hey Jim, this is Dennis. I'm calling in regard to Diamondback Energy, Fang. Fang. No, here's what in I said on my month. I, I gave a club call today, for FractionalEdgePlus.com, and I, boy, it was an hour and ten minutes. But what I said was, you must, you can't own the regular E and P's right here. The x play destruction. You need yield, and that's why I'm recommending to the club British Petroleum now BP. Yield will protect you in this awful market. Paul in New York, Paul. Hello, Mr. Kramer. Happy holidays to you and the Mad Money
4: crew. Oh, man, what um, a get right nice back at you. You yeah, have a nice position in Cara Therapeutics. Um, what's, what's your, what's your, I like what's your it. I All like right. the inflammation
3: that we had them on. I thought they did a lot of good. I told a bunch of people that they ought to get in their trials. Of course, it is not exactly what people want in this market, but one day this market will change its coloration, and they'll come back to buying Cara. How about PT in Utah? PT. Hey, Jim, how about a chicken little booyah to ya? I like that. I hadn't really thought of that. Go ahead. Hey, what's going on with Whiskey Mike? You broke below 90 today. Waste management. Look, this is just a powerhouse name. Jim Fish has done a remarkable job. I am a buyer of waste management. Last quarter was terrific. They got a big buyback. Let it come in, and then... I've been waiting for the stock to go under 90, but a lot of it is because liner board's coming down and people relating to liner board. I think that's a mistake. I need to go to Joshua in Pennsylvania. Joshua...
2: Oh, yeah, uh, I got my stock, Accelerate Diagnostics uh, AXDX. I'm trying to figure out hold, sell, buy.
3: I've been stumped by Accelerate Diagnostics. I do not know the name. I'm going to accelerate the homework on Accelerate Diagnostics. Let's go to Jason in New York. Jason! Hey, Jim, it's Jason from Long Island calling concerning buying Long into General Mills in this bear market. I I cannot believe that General Mills is where it is. I cannot believe it has fallen to 5% yield. I cannot believe that it's this cheap. Uh, But I've got to tell you something. I have no catalyst. So all I can do is just buy the stock. Uh, and tell you, know, tell you to buy the stock and wait until they turn it around, which is not something you want to hear. Um, 5% yield has is, uh, should protect the stock here. It's down 40%. This is the stock of General Mills, for heaven's sake. What an awful market. Let's go to Spencer in Minnesota. Spencer. Yeah, hey, Jim. Hey, nice for taking my call. Hey, congratulations on
5: your Philadelphia Eagles victory last night.
3: Well, you know, the coach coach delivered, the players delivered, uh, Nick Foles delivered, let's keep going. Dallas, sorry I need you to lose. What's up?
6: Yeah. Oh, I was just, I've been watching Winnebago forever and uh,
1: see the last couple of years, they went from 20 up to 60 and now they're back down to 20. Yeah. Uh, I was just recommend, wondering if you recommend to no, buy No, see, I
3: can't because it, with the Fed tightening, that's precisely the kind of stock, even though oil's down a lot, you would think it'd be good. I mean, look at Thor. Thor's been cut in half. And you know, this is, i got to keep people out of problematic situations like Thor. I just, uh, and Winnebago is like Thor. Some people think they're doing better right now than Thor. Uh, let's go to Al in California. Al. Happy Booyah Bakersfield! There you yes, go. Uh, SBI Global. Huh? SBI Global? Oh, hey, I, I, I saw Global. Doug. I saw Doug Peterson recently at a party, uh, and it reminded me how good this stock is. Uh, look, is the stock going down? Yes. Is the company good? Yes. What else can I say? Let's go to Janice in Washington, please, Janice. Hello. Hello, Jim. Hey, Janice. Uh My son comes by a few times a week, and we always watch your show. Oh, that's great. And I would like to have your opinion on uh, the Fleur stock, the FLR. I'm a... 79 year old grandmother, and I have quite a bit of their stock. Okay, then, uh, it's, it is it is at a 52 week low. The engineering construction stocks have gone out of favor. I don't want you to sell it here. It's too low. It's a good company, it's well run, and you never know when you're going to get a pop. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
5: The Lightning
2: Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: Oh, boy, a lot of stocks aren't getting the credit they deserve in this stock market. Take Starbucks. On Friday, we spoke to CEO Kevin Johnson, his roastery in New York City, Cool Place. And he laid out all kinds of initiatives that can help this company get its groove back and stay back. For example, earlier this year, Starbucks sold the international rights to the consumer packaged goods business to Nestle, giant Swiss company, for $7.15 billion in a partnership that's been very beneficial for both companies. Now, on Friday, we got a chance to check in with Kevin Johnson, the CEO of Starbucks, and Mark Schneider, man you hardly ever hear or see interviewed. He's the CEO of Nestle's. hear more about this alliance, take a look. One of the things that I loved about how Starbucks stock bottomed was because you guys got together in a partnership that was lucrative, actually, for everyone and is helping the consumer. So Mark, tell us about it.
4: That's exactly the spirit of that partnership, and that's the way Kevin and I felt about it. I think this really plays to the strengths of both companies. It allows uh, Starbucks to focus on this thriving coffee shop business and international expansion opportunities. And then starbucks partners with us for what we do best and that is uh, consumer packaged goods and uh, we're present in 190 countries in 80 countries we have an installed machine park for capsules uh, coffee capsules and so we can do a lot of things for starbucks and starbucks can do a lot of things for us and we love the coffee we love the brand
3: well what i thought was amazing was this is already a creative i didn't expect anything good here until 2019 so this thing's working out well ahead right
1: well, it is, Jim, and you know part of that is I think uh, Mark and I found that as we got this partnership together, our teams have worked to dramatically accelerate uh, the implementation of what we're doing to bring Starbucks coffee onto Nespresso and Dolce Gusto platforms, and we're now preparing to to enter you know a number of new markets with Starbucks through the CPG and food services capabilities that uh, Nestle brings.
3: Now, I've got to tell you, Mark, when I was doing the work uh, at the meeting, I've always loved your company. It's a company that understands sustainability, understands the, the, the ecosystem, and wants to leave a small footprint. Our viewers want to own stock, and the stock trades in an ADR, not very liquid. When can we just own Nestle's, as like the way we would own a Procter or we would own a Kellogg?
4: Well, I think, look, um, we are excited about the long term prospects of the business. Uh, sustainability is part of our mindset, and I think uh, that's also part of us, those things that we share with Starbucks. I think that made it so easy to get together like the on the coffee very front. Simple. So the cultures are very similar, and uh, we noticed that when the two teams sort of got together and talked about coffee, it was amazing how well they clicked, uh, and uh, that's also part of being ahead of schedule now. That made it so easy. Um, but I think that also translates to a nice long-term perspective for the business and to uh, sustainability is our mindset, And especially in this troubled day and age. I think this, that, that sheer stability uh, in our stock and year after year increases i think that's something that investors love about us
3: i think we're in an uncertain time and both of you gentlemen will be able to put up uh good numbers year after year after year despite the uncertain time there's some things that are bought no matter what you've got a great stable of brands that i don't think everybody realizes why don't you go over some of them that are really on
4: fire well, clearly coffee is one of them, and I think uh, between Starbucks and Nespresso and Nescafe, you know, those are the three major coffee Can brands in the Nescafé world. Nescafe is
3: still big? When I was growing up, my mom served Nescafe. How could this brand stay so strong?
4: And it's even stronger overseas because I think, you know, in Europe and Asia, you know, those are markets. South America, this is where the, that brand is really on fire. In addition to that, one of our other businesses that's really doing well is Pet Care. Uh, The Purina brand name is going around the world and uh, clearly pet lovers are willing to spend on perfect nutrition for their pets and uh, this is something we cater to. Uh, We also caught the trend to healthy hydration, i.e. water as opposed to carbonated soft drinks early. And wrote that 30 year wave. And I think, you know, catching waves and then just riding it all the way over 10, 20, 30 years, I think that is what NESCO stands for.
3: I just have to ask before I go back to Kevin uh, plastic versus glass. I mean, let's get that on the table because we know we want glass. We don't want, unless you can recycle all the
4: plastic. Yeah. And look, on plastics, uh, we understand there's an issue out there and we're working on uh, a larger degree of recycling. We also have a strong commitment out there by the year 2025. We want to make all of our packaging material reusable or recyclable, and uh, we're working towards that. We just founded the Institute of Packaging Science last week and made an announcement around that because to us, commitments is one thing, but then you have to sweat the details and do the specifics to really do better.
3: Kevin is doing good, also doing well for shareholders.
1: Well, uh, we believe firmly that it is, you know, that the the pursuit of profit is not in direct conflict with the pursuit of doing good. And actually embracing the pursuit of doing good is a part of the Starbucks brand, and it's woven into who we are, into our mission and values, and candidly, it's part of why customers want to do business with us, because they know we're going to take care of our Starbucks partners. We care about the environment. Sustainability is one of the the three social impact pillars that we have. And as Mark said, you know, this is something we share in common, the work we're doing around sustainability beginning with making coffee the first sustainable agricultural product to uh, the products that, that we serve coffee in, to our stores. And so uh, doing good is uh, is actually a creative to a brand and to shareholders. And it's going to be true to who we are and we'll continue to do that. Why couldn't you do on your own what Nestle's doing with you? Well Jim, you know I've been focused over this last year on streamlining the company so that we focus on the things that we do well and that create the most value for our customers and our shareholders. And when we look at the CPG and food services business, you know, we had a business in the U.S. and Canada, but we were nascent or non-existent rest of the world. So it's pretty obvious. Let's find a strategic partner that is good at CPG and food service. They can take us to five million points of presence in 180 countries. And so Nestle was the right strategic partner for us, and Mark and I have forged that partnership. Our teams are now engaged, operationalizing it, and this partnership will create value for years to come. All right, I want to thank
3: both of you. That's Kevin Johnson, Starbucks CEO, and Mark Snyder, Nestle CEO, whom we don't hear enough from because of how classic good numbers, classic good balance sheet, classic world domination. Fantastic work. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for so yeah, having thank us. You. Thanks, Jim. All right, after to the close, we got a good number from Oracle. That could help. And we got a good number from j meaning a buyback of $5 billion. I want you to make up your mind about j yourself. And by the way, tomorrow, I'm still going to use their talcum powder like I have for the last four years. I didn't hear anything that made me feel like anything's bad. But I have sympathy for everybody who's sick for whatever reason. I like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Kramer,
2: and I'll see you tomorrow.